Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, listeners. Here's a brand new episode for you. And I just wanted to say to all the premium subscribers that yesterday I uploaded Premium Series 29 Part 3, which is called What Did Rick Say? And that is the vocabulary review for the recent episode of the Rick Thompson Report. So that includes more target language with vocabulary, collocations, synonyms, examples and speaking tasks covering extracts from the most recent conversation with my dad in episode 704. So part three is available for you now. I just wanted to tell you that just in case you didn't notice, because obviously with this episode, which I think is episode 715 arriving, you might not notice that P29 Part 3 is there for you to listen to, and PDFs are available as usual. Okay, Part 4 also will be coming soon. Okay, that's all I wanted to say at the beginning here. If you'd like to sign up to Luke's English Podcast Premium and access all these extra episodes, and there's more than 100 of them now, then you can just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info, and that's where you get all the info, and that's where you can also sign up. Okay, nice one. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. I hope you're doing well today. Here's another new episode of my podcast for you to get stuck into as part of your regular English listening practice. This is episode number 715, and this is the very first swapcast I've ever done. After over 12 years of this podcast, here is the first Swapcast. And I know what you're thinking now. You're thinking, but Luke, what is a Swapcast? Can you explain that, please? We want to know what a Swapcast is because we don't, we've heard you say Swapcast lots of times now in the last minute. What is it, please? Define it now, please, teacher Luke. Okay, so a Swapcast. Yes, you might be wondering what a Swapcast is. Well, a Swapcast in the world of podcasting is when two podcasters get together to record one episode, which is then published often simultaneously on the two respective podcast feeds. So that's one recording published on both podcasts. It can be a good way to introduce audiences to new podcasts that they might want to listen to. And it's just a way for podcasters to collaborate with each other, a swapcast. And that brings me to the guest that I have on this podcast today. Over five years ago now, in fact, it was, it was, um, yeah, over five years ago in early 2016, I spoke to Craig Wheland in episode 334 of this podcast. He also interviewed me on his show as well. But it wasn't a swapcast, you see, because it was two different, two different episodes. Anyway, I interviewed him. He interviewed me. And then just recently, we decided to do it again, this time in the form of a swapcast. I, I feel like using the word swapcast is unnecessary, but it's one of those sort of podcast things. Podcast people kind of like, OK, guys, we're going to do a swapcast this week. And so I feel like, oh, I'd like to use the word swapcast too, please. So that's why I'm saying it. Anyway, 
Craig Wheeland. Now, some of you will know Craig, not only because you might have heard episode 334, but also because you might listen to his podcast. You'll hear us talking about it a bit in this conversation. But here are some basic Craig facts. Craig is originally from England, but for over a decade now, and probably longer, is it 15 years or more? I think he mentioned it in the conversation. But anyway, for ages now, he's been living in Spain, in Valencia, to be more specific. I think he's been there for the entire time he's been in Spain. I don't know. But anyway, he's been living in Spain for ages now, teaching English out there. Craig is an English teacher with loads of experience. And he also has a podcast called, and this is where I'm going to speak, a little Spanish here with my probably very crappy Spanish accent. No doubt people will write to me to tell me. Uh, where are the hats? I don't know. Donde están los sombreros? That's the only thing I can say in Spanish. Long-term listeners will remember. Get to the point. Okay, so I've had coffee. I've just had coffee. Can you tell? Anyway, so Craig's podcast is called Aprender Inglés con Reza y Craig, which he does with his friend Reza, who is also an English teacher. Okay, now that's in Spanish. Uh, basically, it means learn English with Reza and Craig. Aprender Inglés con Reza y Craig, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, but that's okay, Luke. It's connection, not perfection. Right. So anyway, I really want to recommend AIRC. Let's let's call it that, okay, as an acronym, AIRC. I really want to recommend Craig's podcast, AIRC, as it is also known. And I want to recommend it to any Lepsters out there who speak Spanish as a first language, because Craig and Reza often focus specifically on teaching English to speakers of Spanish as a first language right? They focus on themes and language issues that are relevant to the Spanish-speaking world. I think it can also be really interesting for non-Spanish-speaking people too, and I think that in their audience they have people from various other places as well that don't have Spanish as a first language, but um, it is especially useful for Spanish speakers from all over the world. You can find Craig's podcast in all the usual places, but his website is inglespodcast.com, I-N-G-L-E-S, podcast.com englishpodcast.com so for this swabcast swabcast <laughs> no for this swapcast we decided to catch up with each other after not having spoken for 5 years i won't say much more but we kind of take turns asking each other questions and our conversation covers things like living in spain or france uh, post brexit my daughter's english teaching English in the post-COVID-19 world, both in classrooms and on Zoom, and plenty of other things. I'll let you discover them all as you listen. One thing I should say is that our interview was plagued by a few interruptions and background noises on my side of the conversation. For some reason, it was just everything was very noisy in my flat um, on this particular day. So, our interview was plagued by a few interruptions and background noises, including the sound of a vacuum cleaner, a hoover, you know, the thing that you use to clean the to clean all the dust off the floor. One of those things. Right? That's when you turn a hoover on. And then when you turn it off. Like that. A hoover, you know what I'm talking about. A vacuum cleaner. So the sound of a vacuum cleaner, air raid sirens in Paris, which make a similarly distracting noise, 
And also the postman arriving at my door to deliver a package. So ding dong, you hear the doorbell, I think, at one point, And then you hear me rushing off and then rushing back out of breath because I've probably had to run up and down the stairs because the postman can't be bothered to climb the stairs in this building. I don't know why. I always say he, he buzzes the door blah, 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 and the, the, the intercom doesn't work. So I just press the button to open the door downstairs and he's supposed to just come up and then blah, 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 it goes again. And then I pick it up and press the button again, put it down. Blah, 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 it keeps going. And then I realize that he needs me to go downstairs. So I'll rush. I'll quickly try and get my shoes on, rush downstairs. And there's quite a lot of stairs rush down halfway down he calls me on the telephone and he sort of like says uh hello hello c'est quoi la code you know that sort of thing and i have to try and struggle to tell him what the door code is even though he knows what the the door code is because they all know what the door code is but i suspect that he's saying that just so that you know he can go hello and then often what he does and it's different post post delivery people each time often what they do is they start going hello 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 like that meaning like uh i can't hear you anymore as i try to explain how to get into the building hello hello and i know for a fact that um i know for a fact that there are there's never any mobile phone reception issues the signal's always fine in the building and around the building but hello 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 and of course i have to run downstairs and in many cases i'll run downstairs and i'll find the guy about to leave with my package and i have to you know uh you know, excuse me, and then get the package and then run back upstairs. So anyway, oh, I'm, I'm going on too long. I've, it, it became a rant, this introduction. Anyway, so sorry about all the noises and interruptions that you might hear, but actually I think I've managed to remove most of the noises, so it's probably not a big issue, and I didn't even need to say this. Oh, what's the point? I don't know. But apologies in advance for any distracting noises. And also, when you hear Craig and me referring to those interruptions uh, at least now you will know what we're talking about okay that's enough for this introduction uh, i'll let you now listen to this swapcast conversation which will also be published on the airc podcast between me in paris and craig in valencia i'll chat to you again on the other side of the conversation but now let's get started and here we go Right, so so um, we've got so much to talk about, and also you and Reza are a lot more efficient and slightly less rambly than than I am. I mean, I'm not saying you're not rambly, but you're you get you're a bit more brief than I am. I tend to go off on tangents a bit more, I think. But I think that's what your audience like. They like the rambling and the repetition that drums the words into them. Yeah. And I think that's that's a big bonus. And I like your rambling too, and I'm a native speaker. You do ramble. You, you, I'm not saying you don't ramble. You do ramble, but it's enjoyable rambling. Yeah, well, that's kind of my thing. You know, I've, I, I'm like Batman. I've used my weakness as, a, as I've turned it into a strength. There you go. Yeah. You know, in the way that Batman is scared of bats, but then he becomes a bat and he sort of becomes, I am fear. And it's like, yeah, but you are still dressed as a bat, which is not that scary. <laughs> <laughs> and n- not not the best figure for a superhero these days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with COVID, we need Pangolin Man next. <laughs> Vaccine Man, Pangolin. I am a pang- half man, half Pangolin. All, all uh, infectious. <laughs> who who was messing with Pangolins anyway? 
Do you know what a pangolin? Do you know what a pangolin is? I've heard the word, but I'm not too sure. Can you explain it to me? So what I understood is that um, I don't know all the details of where COVID came from and how it first arrived, but one suggestion is that it someone was someone caught it from a pangolin. So a pangolin is. Obviously, for us as English people, a pangolin is like something we'd never heard of until last year. A pangolin is something a bit like it looks a bit like an anteater, and it's covered in scales. Ah, right. Um, okay, like a rodent, a big rodent thing with scales. So, according to Wikipedia, pangolins, sometimes known as scaly anteaters, are mammals of the order Pholidota from from blah blah blah. So they're like anteaters covered in scales and I don't know what someone was doing with the pangolin, but they caught something from it. I don't know if they were eating it or doing something else with it, but they picked up some disease from it. And I think this is how COVID began. But I mean, I haven't fact checked that at all. So that might be bollocks. <laughs> well, I'll I'll take your word for it, and now I know what a pangolin is. So next time it comes up in conversation, I can say yes. It's like an anteater. Yeah, that's right. Greg, it's really nice to see you again, and nice to speak to you again. It's been five years since we last spoke. I know why. Why have we waited so long before talking again? It's crazy. Um, it's it's really good to see you, Luke. It's really yeah, good to talk to you again. You too. Um, we should also kind of. Say hello to Catty and the Chatbox community on Facebook, because it was Catty Ortega who kind of gave us a nudge to uh, record another episode together. Yes, they're doing a wonderful job over there on on the Chatbox on on Facebook. Not only Catty, but Ever as well, Everlax and the other admins and contributors to the to the Facebook page. And if you are, if you want to practice your English and get involved in a very active facebook page i think luke you'll agree you can't do better than going over to the chat box and um and joining that group they're very very active and it's a very caring community i like it very much and it's well moderated as well which is important they've got clear rules to make sure that there are no time wasters basically in the group which is a really good thing so hello catty and hello to the other chat boxes and uh, thanks for kind of yeah giving us a nudge to do this again. So yeah, it's been five years then, Craig. So what's what's been going on with you? What's changed? What have you been up to? What have you been doing? Well, obviously, what's on my mind and most people's mind at the moment is the COVID thing. That's obviously affected my life and and pretty much everybody's life. But um, looking back, like from five years ago, I've I got married. So I've been married for five years. Thank you very much. A very small affair. The family wasn't invited. There were only five people there. That's a long story that perhaps we, we shouldn't go into. But I'd been, I'd been with, my, with my girlfriend for more than 20 years. So it was really just a marriage that we thought, yeah, it's time. You know, we, we should do this. Yeah. So um, we went for sushi after and um, I've been happily married for five years. Very nice. Can you notice any difference between being married and not being married? Is there a noticeable change? None, none whatsoever. Absolutely nothing at all. No, except of course because of Brexit, it it makes me feel a little bit more secure in Spain because I'm married to a Spanish citizen. Um, so that helps, obviously. Yeah, being married to a European. Yeah, me too. Same story. 
So uh, being married, yeah, I feel a lot more secure. I mean, I don't expect like guys in like I don't expect a SWAT team to come round and <laughs> knock on the door, you know, Monsieur Thompson, and then like to be dragged away to some cell somewhere on in Calais. Uh, I don't expect that to happen anyway, but uh, still, it does make me feel a bit more secure that I'm married to a French person. Um, do you have Spanish citizenship? I have Spanish permanent residency. So I have a card with a, with a photo on, which is really nice, because before they just had a piece of A4 paper with no photo. So I've got this kind of official-looking card to say I'm a, I'm a permanent resident, and it has my my number on it my residency number so that's kind of official i can yeah. show that in the bank i can show that to a policeman has my address on it okay. how, how are you over there with with um with french law similar story so i i could apply for french citizenship and a number of my friends have like for example amber who's a regular um normally a, a regular guest on my show english girl living in france so she's got french citizenship so i could apply for it and i would probably get it for example, you know, being married, having a child, um, having lived here for a certain number of years, uh, having a permanent contract um, with the school I work for. And my French is basically good enough. So I passed the, a test to get the, the bare minimum B1 level uh, a couple of years ago. So my French is certifiably okay. In my everyday life, it's a kind of a different story. But according, as far as the government's concerned, I'm all right. So I could apply for French citizenship, but it's it, the paperwork is an absolute bloody nightmare. Yeah, here too. They require like birth certificates um, of like everyone in my family, and they've each birth certificate has to be at least three months old, which <laughs> I don't understand. It's um, it's a bureaucratic nightmare, isn't it? It is. So there's that. So I sh- I could and should apply for that. In fact, my dad's constantly badgering me, like you know, get your French citizenship, blah blah blah. But I do have a carte de séjour, which is a guess, I guess, similar to yours. It's a um, it's a it's a residency permit, and it's it's worth ten years. It was pretty easy to get. So I guess when that runs out, in theory, they'll give me another one. Unless they decide, bah non, uh, England, uh, you stupid English, uh, Brexit, quoi. Then maybe they'll <laughs> they'll say, sorry, no. But uh, I'm all right, basically. Um, but but you mentioned the birth of your daughter. She is she three now? She is. She's she's coming up to three and a half. And yeah. So that's quite a big thing that's happened to you in the last five years. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, since we last spoke, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I got married too. I don't know if I got married. I think I got married like uh, in the same year that I, I spoke to you. So maybe I spoke to you just before I got married, but uh, we got married as well. And yes, uh, so we had a, a daughter. Yeah, that's obviously kind of a big thing. Um, and uh, that's that's great. There was an episode you did that I loved, and for my listeners, it's episode 502 of Luke's English podcast, The Birth of My Daughter, which I found very wonderful to listen to. It's very emotional, very honest, very funny, and very touching. So if you're, I mean, maybe you've got a suggestion for my listeners of where they can start listening to your podcast, but I love that episode. So would you suggest that for any new listener to go and have an idea of what what your podcasts are about sure yeah absolutely i mean any anything whatever kind of um you know grabs your interest um 
And if people often mention that episode, I guess because it's so personal and yes, and all that and the the things you mentioned. So yeah, that could be you pulled back the curtain as the Wizard of Oz did. You pulled back the curtain into your life, and and it was a very um, you you made yourself sound very vulnerable, uh, and it was also very funny and very touching. So well done on that. All oh, right. Well, yeah, they could listen. People could listen to that. Otherwise, um, I don't know. Just any episode, really. I can't tell sometimes how people get into my my podcast. You know, uh, it, it, people seem to just get into it just listening to any episode, really. Um, but that might be a good one. Uh, otherwise, more recently, I've done. Uh, I did one called. Uh, what is Luke's English podcast, and how can it help you with your English? I think. Um, or no, it's called Welcome to Luke's English Podcast or Welcome Back to Luke's English Podcast. And I'm just yeah. checking my archive here on my website. And that one was episode number 699. 699 might be a good place to start. Okay, yeah. there you go. I'll put these links in the show notes that you'll be able to find um, on this episode. But you asked where people could go to to listen to the podcast and stuff they could just go to my website teacherluke.co.uk and there's an episode archive there where they can find all the episodes um there's i've got an app as well which is free and it contains the entire episode archive and so people could just go to the app store on their phones and search for luke's english podcast app um and i've got a youtube channel as well i put all the episodes up on youtube too that's Luke's English Podcast on YouTube. And congratulations on reaching 100,000 YouTube subscribers. That's a landmark. Yeah, that's right. It is a landmark. I mean, you know, it's just a nominal thing, isn't it? I mean... It, did, you, did, you get, did you get the YouTube thing in the post that the, they send? The shiny thing. The shiny uh, thing. Sh- yeah, uh, when you get to 100,000 subscribers, YouTube send you... Well, in theory, they send you a shiny plaque which is like this kind of silver thing with a YouTube logo on it. And it says, congratulations, you reached 100,000 subscribers. And you can proudly display it on the wall behind you. So, no, they haven't sent it to me yet. yet. Apparently, it takes quite a while. First of right. all, YouTube will blank you for ages, right? They'll just kind of ignore you for, for a while because they're too cool. And okay. then, then eventually they will realize that you've reached 100,000 subscribers. And then they send you a message saying, you now have to apply, to receive the shiny thing. So you've got to jump through hoops. You've got to do certain things. You've probably got to verify a telephone number or something so that if they want to, they can sell all your data to, you know, that SWAT team I mentioned earlier. Yeah, of course. 100,000 subscribers. Uh. Um, But yeah, so in theory, eventually I will receive a shiny thing and then I'll be, I don't know what, I'll be happy. I suppose so. And shiny. Yeah, shiny things. We like shiny things, don't we, humans? <laughs> um, so we're uh, we're currently doing a a kind of YouTube, uh, not YouTube. We're doing a kind of podcast crossover um, in this episode, aren't we, Craig? Where we're yes. both going to be publishing this um, on our respective podcasts. So for my listeners, this is Craig. Right. I mean, I'll probably do a a, a twenty minute introduction to, to this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, but in any case, um, so Craig, what's where's the best place to to find your podcast? Then, well the the URL, the address on the internet is inglespodcast dot com. 
And the name of the podcast is Aprender Inglés con Reza y Craig. I do the podcast with a po- with, with the po- with the podcast. With a podcast. <laughs> Have you ever done a podcast with a podcast? A podcast is like a co-host, but on a podcast. Um, on a podcast, yeah, yeah. My good friend and co-host Reza does it with me, um, so that's where you can find it. Yeah, it's very nice. And uh, like I, I listened to. So in November, was it you? Uh, you published uh, Craig's story, the story of oh, Craig. Yes, yeah. I, I think did. I think that was November uh, last year. Yes. So I remember like seeing the notification of that one arriving on my phone, and I did listen to it while I was like preparing dinner for my daughter. She was watching cartoons. Thank you. And so I was, I was, you know, we're already, we've already become one of those families where everyone's stuck on their own devices and stuff. Anyway, so are you, I, are you home? Sorry to to, to mm-hmm. take you away from. Maybe we can put a pin in that, come back to that. But mm-hmm. are you homeschooling your daughter? Well, um, so... I, ju- I should just say that we're recording this in April 2021 and we're still in the coronavirus pandemic. So yeah, uh, that's why I asked the question. No, for most of the last year and a half, she has been able to go to school. Uh, the first lockdown, which I guess started in March of 2020... Um, she wasn't at school. They closed everything. In fact, she was at creche at that time. She was at daycare because she wasn't old enough to be at school. And so the, 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 the daycare center closed. And so she was at home with us all the time. That was a bit tricky, not just spending time with our daughter, because obviously we love that, but it's tricky to get other things done. Uh, and you know, for my wife to do her work and for me to be able to record my episodes and stuff. And she was at home all the time and, um so you know that was that was a bit tough but then um in i guess i guess it was probably summertime june maybe anyway in any case after the summer holidays schools opened and stuff and my daughter went to school and she's been going to school they've managed to keep the schools open which i I don't understand how i don't really understand all the the confinement measures um but then just recently emmanuel macron the french president did make an announcement saying oh we are going to close all the schools uh he didn't say it like that in English. Did he say it like that? No. No. Uh, okay. Thankfully. <laughs> he said it in actual good French. But um, he, they closed the schools. So, yeah, we, we, we're looking at three weeks of no school. But my daughter has mm. gone to her grandparents. We're lucky that we've got, you know, that my wife's parents um, are available. And so she's gone to stay with them. And that's within the rules. We're, the, we're allowed to travel to for family reasons like that so that's okay so she's actually away at the moment so my wife and i are kind of wow just it, we've got our freedom we've got our lives back it's so weird <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's difficult difficult with young kids with young children in the house and it's it's lovely to spend time together i would imagine that there's a time when you're trying to work and you're trying to take care of the family and you're trying to prepare food and, and it's all a bit much I yeah think. Yeah. And also when you've got, I mean, people who've got kids will know that when you've got like a two or three year old, um, they tend to sort of dominate proceedings, especially if they don't have brothers and sisters who will play with them. If it, if it's just you and your wife and a, and a little child, it's hard to do anything else other than just be with her because at that age, they're not really independent. She, when she's a teenager, she won't want to have anything to do with us. She'll be in her room and we'll be like, do you not want to come and spend time with us? And she'll be like, no, leave me alone. Close the door. You know, um, I expect. But at this stage, uh, she can't do anything on her own, really. She needs to be with, with her mummy and daddy. 
Um, and even if you if you say, okay, you play there, and I'm going to do work on the computer here, doesn't work. She's always coming over. She wants to see what you're doing and stuff like that. She's very cute. I'm sure she is. And another um, episode I enjoyed was episode six three four. Wow, you got you, you got your a- numbers sorted. That's this is amazing. Well, I want to send people over there. If you haven't heard this episode, if you're a lepster or um, an alcoholic, I recommend this episode. It's a new alcoholic, not not alcoholic. Yeah, that's alcoholic. New Year Ramble for 2020 Part One. So I'm going back um, about over a year when your daughter said the word Beatles, and you were very excited. So my question is: Have there been any advances in in that area of music with with your daughter? Does she? Do you play her Beatles music? Is she singing it? I'm constantly playing her the Beatles and we often will watch Beatle videos on YouTube and she likes it, which I'm delighted about. I mean, I hope that she continues to like it. That you know, It's not that she just, as a three-year-old, has no critical faculties and just any kind of moving image on a screen. She's like, this is great. Uh, I hope that she won't like hit her fifth or sixth birthday and then look at the Beatles and go, uh, no, Dad, they're rubbish. I hope that she won't do that. Um, I think that she won't because I think the Beatles are great and that watching videos of them is fascinating because they've got so much charm and they're just so great to watch. So, yes, we do watch lots of Beatles stuff and listen to a lot of songs. And she sings as well. She does sing. It's It's fantastic. She sings and dances. But she loves to sing, um, you know, she's a kid, so she loves like Frozen and um, yeah. Paw Patrol and PJ Masks and stuff. Do you know all of those shows? I don't because I don't have children myself, but I've heard of them through friends who have kids. Are you bringing her up in, in both languages, in French and in English? That's the idea, yes, yeah, uh, French and English, uh, although she gets a lot more French in her life than English because she, at school it's obviously all in French. Uh, but at home it's mostly English. I speak to her only in English. Uh, my wife and I speak English to each other, and my wife speaks a mixture of English and French to uh, her. And so, yeah, she understands French and English perfectly well, you know, for a three-year-old, you know, the same level as normal. She understands both. And she speaks a sort of a mix of French and English, it's literally even in a sentence. Um, she says things like, oh, no, je pas like that. <laughs> oh, that must be lovely. Half and half. Um, although I think she speaks more French than English, to, to be honest. My wife thinks it's not true. She's like, no, no, she speaks loads of English. And I'm like, no, she doesn't. She speaks more French than English. So I'm always like trying to natter away to her in English um, because I am her prime source of English. Yeah, so hopefully in the future, the the two languages will diverge as she becomes more aware of, you know, the differences. She knows, you know, English and French. She does know the difference. But hopefully the two things will diverge and she won't mix them up so much. Um, But it's very interesting to see her, her linguistic development. I've heard from friends here who have kids of a similar age or even older, so five, five or six, that their receptive skills are much more attuned to it, to to English, or to the, to the language that's spoken at home than their productive skills because that's what they're producing outside the home. So there's a there's a guy who does, has a very interesting podcast on this. He's a Spanish guy called Alex Perdel. And uh, I'll put a link in the show notes and I'll send you one if you want one also. Mm. Link, uh, link, 
Luke. It's called Crefer. <laughs> I haven't had that <laughs> My one before. Not working today. My, <laughs> I, I've had very, I've had normally get Luke, Luck or Look, but uh, Link is a new one. <laughs> Link. Yes. So, I sound like I'm in the Legend of Zelda. Link's English podcast. Yeah. Um, it's called Crefer in English. So he's bringing his child up in English, even though he's a Spanish speaker. It's a very interesting podcast. He speaks about the theory, the linguistic theory of, uh, of doing that. That's wonderful because I have got a kind of series of episodes uh, about raising bilingual children. I say I've got a series. Oh, okay. I've done one part like quite a few months ago, but uh, it's something I'm always wanting to do. So yes, I'd like to, I'd definitely like to find out more about Alex and see maybe if I can talk to him. I think he, that, that would be very interesting. Okay. I feel like I should be asking you some questions now. Ask me, ask away, Luke. Okay, so you mentioned uh, Lepsters, who are listeners to my podcast, but then you also mentioned Aircoholics. So not alcoholics, people who can't stop drinking alcohol, but Aircoholics. What's what's an Aircoholic then? Well, we've taken the the letters of the podcast, Aprender, A, Ingles, I. I have to think for a minute now. And then you've got R. And then you've got R, thank you. Uh, Reza, that's my co-host, and Craig, that's a C. Yeah. So AIRC is the Aircoholic. But sometimes we get messages from um, our lovely audience and they say, hello, my name's Maria and I'm an alcoholic. And it sounds like <laughs> we're in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. So it's it's quite funny. And we have to explain it all the time because when we say if you're an alcoholic, but we have to explain what that is because people might think it, they've listened to by some chance to an alcoholic podcast yeah it's kind of funny isn't it that that um with our podcasts for for learners of english that we create these acronyms which and a, and a point of an acronym is it's supposed to save time it's supposed to be more efficient <laughs> exactly. and then we send spend ages having to explain what explain the acronym it. is so i'm Absolutely. i'm going so hello lepsters um by the way lepsters are people who listen to my podcast luke's english podcast that's l-e-p lepsters okay you know it's sort of counterproductive yeah counterproductive but that's all part of the fun. So, uh, aprenda ingles con Reza y Craig. Check out yes. my English accent there in speaking French, uh, Spanish. Très bien. Um, so your, your, um, I guess most of your listeners speak Spanish as a first language. Is this correct or do you have, uh, no, that's correct. Most of them, not all of them, most of them. Yeah. I'd say probably 95% more or less. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I would say to my audience that if you are a Spanish speaker, then you must be, you must listen, you must become an alcoholic. Um, you must listen to Craig's podcast because a lot of the time you're doing things like, um, making little, little corrections, uh, from your listeners. So your listeners send in voice messages, which you use as the basis for your episodes, which is very nice, a very nice approach that you play a little message from a listener. And invariably, they are a Spanish speaker. And then you and, and Reza will kind of correct some of the errors that you hear. And then you'll build your episode based on the question. So it's very nice. And it's a great way to, to have certain little common Spanish errors corrected um, in each episode. So Spanish speakers, you must listen to Aprenda Inglés con Reza y Craig. I expect many of them already do. But um, just a reminder, if you are listening to it good keep listening and if you don't start and you can go to englishpodcast.com yes right that's correct okay cool 
So let's see. I've got other questions. We there's billions of things that we could talk about. I know. I mean, I mean, I I wrote down some notes before we started recording, and there's no way uh, we're going to cover everything. So so perhaps we'll have to do a round two at some point, or a round three even. Yeah. But um, let's see. Well, I'm going to dip into to my just sort of like other questions category. Right. I'm I'm going to I'm going to sidestep Brexit. I have a Brexit question. But I'm going. Well, no, I won't. I've, okay, I've mentioned it. I've released the beast. <laughs> I've said the B word. Uh, you did an episode about Brexit in December. So basically, as a as a an expat, are you, do you consider yourself to be an expat? Yes. Okay. So, and as an as an expat living in Spain, has Brexit affected you very much? No, not not at all. Absolutely not. Because I've been living here since 1997. My family are also here. My wife's Spanish. My my job's very permanent here. So there's no. Um, I don't think there's any possibility at this stage that I'd be thinking of going back to the UK, even to visit, because friends I have there come to visit us here because we we live in Valencia near the beach. Why would I go to rainy UK? <laughs> there are things I miss, but it doesn't make sense for me to to go there and visit. There's just there's just no reason for it. Are there not English uh, people living in Spain who are going to be affected by Brexit? You know, I so you you sort of see little headlines in on websites and on online about you know uh, English homeowners in Spain. The, the, in fact, the ones in many cases who actually voted in favour of Brexit, that these people's lives are somehow under threat um do you know anything about this because there are lots of english expats who live in certain areas of spain um the very brexity types let's say who love to basically recreate england but with nice weather and they (laughs) they, they're not interested in integrating into spanish culture exactly they just want you know the english pub fish and chips and uh you know cook breakfast and the beach right and they and a lot of them voted for Brexit, which is weird. And now they're like, apparently their 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 lives are under threat. Anyway, do you know? You're about absolutely it? right. I mean, you, you've you've hit you've hit the nail on the head. To hit the nail on the head means you you you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. Because where my sister lives now, she lives about an hour and a half down the coast from me. I live in Valencia, and she lives in an area on the Costa Blanca, on the east coast of Spain, where there are expats very similar to the ones you've described. And some of them are really caught between a rock and a hard place. They're, they're in a position that's very difficult. They can't easily travel now between here and the UK, between Spain and the UK, apart from the coronavirus restrictions. They've also got the problem now of leaving Europe and going into a country that is not part of Europe. And that causes all sorts of problems. Also for people working. People working in the UK and in Spain, you have to have special permissions now. So it's it's very, very complicated. And if you're not in one, on one side of the fence or the other, then there's all sorts, it's a bureaucratic nightmare for many people. Mm-hmm. And I agree 100% with what your dad said in a recent episode, was that 704, so I've got all the numbers here, Luke. You do, episode you have all the numbers. 704, your dad spoke with you about Brexit, and I agree with him 100% um, on his point of view there. Okay. Well, I think the point was basically, it's a really bad idea, isn't it? Yes. What, yeah. 
Mm. But, but it doesn't affect me, so I don't care because I'm quite happy here in Spain. I mean, do you feel the same as me or are you quite um, it, disturbed by it all? It, it, we haven't really seen the direct impact of it yet because the coronavirus has totally got in the way, in a sense, that it because we haven't been able to travel, um, I haven't really seen... Um, those things but if i didn't if i wasn't married if i didn't have uh the the you know residency permit the carte de séjour that i mentioned if i didn't have those things in place then i expect life would be more complicated that i'd have to apply for some kind of visa and it might be you know there'd be various other complications but since i'm already settled here and blah 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 i think that makes things more easy but when it comes to traveling, I wonder what's going to happen. So traveling back to the UK or from the UK back to France or even traveling between other European countries, maybe by plane. And I'm there with my British passport. I got a new one, by the way. It had to be renewed. So I've got my new British passport. It's dark blue. So those Brexiters got what they wanted, the coveted blue passport. <laughs> anyway... So I'll be there with my British passport, which doesn't have European Union on the top anymore, whereas my wife and daughter will be there with their European Union passports. So maybe uh, I will have to queue up longer than them. I might get stuck in, in, in long queues at immigration. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you are in slightly a different boat because I think you've got stronger connections to the UK than I, than I do. You've got your family there and um, they want to see their, their granddaughter. So you'll be going back probably when you can yeah yeah try and go back as regularly as possible exactly so it remains to be seen um how complicated it's going to be um in terms of other stuff i mean you know what i we could talk about our personal experiences we are as we've said we are quite sort of lucky in the sense that um we're quite secure in our lives here and and so on and and so it's it's not been affected it's not affecting us that much what i'm concerned about is how it's going to affect the uk in general and how everyone's lives are going to be affected, especially the sorts of people who probably voted for Brexit themselves, you know, people in sort of working class communities, people who, um, you know, people in northern towns and stuff like that. And it seems the way that things are going, those people face a lot of difficulties with uh, lots of job losses. It's not just about students or the kids of sort of rich middle class families who, you know, want to go on their gap year, you know, oh no, like da- daddy says, I can't do my gap year this time. You know, it's, it's not just those people who can't go and swan off to Europe and go traveling and stuff. It's people's, people whose lives are going to be demonstrably worse because of the economic fallout that is invariably going to happen as a result of, uh, of this bad decision and i wonder why it's happening in the first place and what the motivations behind it are and it seems as far i mean i'm gonna i'm ranting now but um it seems that the people who are really going to benefit from this are sort of like hedge fund managers and bankers who have vested interests in getting out of the regulatory framework of the eu and you know britain possibly not even britain england could become some sort of tax haven for the super rich and they will be laughing it up whereas uh, the ordinary folk will will probably suffer in various ways so this is the yeah. depressing thing i think i think you make very good points and i agree with you it's um i think there was probably quite a bit of political manipulation um, yeah. on the public in the beginning 
letting them think, as your dad said, that it would be really, really good for them, but not giving them all the facts. And I think people now are more aware of the negative side of Brexit, and I don't think they were when they voted for it nearly four years ago. So, um, But basically, you know, you make your decisions based on what you think at the time, and then you, you there's an expression in English, you make your bed and you lie in it. So yeah. whatever you decide, you have to deal with the consequences and accept the consequences of your actions. I'm, I might sound not very sympathetic, but I'm not very sympathetic because I don't have to go through the hardships. I live in Europe, and I'm really pleased I live in Europe. And I feel I feel bad for people who have to suffer the p- possible effects of Brexit. And let's face it, we don't know yet what's going to happen. We could be totally mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. But I suspect it, it's not going to be good for for that class of people in the UK that don't have a high income. I think they're going to to suffer. A lot of people, you know, said this from the very start. Like this, this is going to be very damaging in various ways, and it's it's a reckless thing to do, and it's not necessarily going to be the solution to all the issues that you that we have as a country. People were concerned about immigration and those things. I mean, you know, Brexit's not necessarily the solution to those to those things. Um, and the, the, those points were made, but they were shot down, uh, you know, as like, no, this is just project fear, um, and so on. Uh, but anyway, but, but speaking personally, like you, it's, it's not affecting my life that much, except that, uh, in Paris, we have, um, a chain of Marks and Spencer's shops. Do you have them in Spain? We did, but they closed. They closed. Like, did they, they close they before moved, Brexit or just like years before? or Years before Brexit. They moved out of the Spanish market, I think. Yeah, completely. So I don't think there are any M&S, Marks & Spencer shops left in Spain. So I might this, be wrong. This is just speaking personally, right? That Marks & Sparks, as we call it, Marks & Sparks, is, is a, a sort of a lifeline for me because that's where I would buy like bread that I like, although the bread here is flipping brilliant, right? In Paris, oh, of course. Is that where you where you get your Thompson's tea in Marks and Spencer's? So the Thompson's tea that you saw me buy because I I posted a photo on Twitter. Um, the Thompson's tea I, I actually ordered it online. I probably paid too much, but I just thought I'm willing to pay extra for tea with my name on it. Um, and it's tea very good tea as well. Apart from the fact that it's a Thompson tea, it's very, very good tea. Is it very good tea? If you I had... have the Irish blend here, right? So yeah, my friend Alex um, recommended it to me, and mm. I was like, right, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to pay extra for decent tea. So uh, no, that's not where I get Thompson tea. I had to order that from from Northern Ireland, from Belfast, where I think it's 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 packaged and stuff. Um, yeah. No, I get Marks and Spencer's luxury gold tea. Which is, oh, that's a good cup of tea, Craig. It's strong, isn't it? Oh, it's strong and quality. Oh, I can't, once you've gone gold, you can't go back. I can't drink PG tips anymore. It tastes like mm-hmm. cardboard. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing is, tea. Marks and Spencer's here has been hit fairly hard on. I think it's Brexit that for some reason they've got like issues with getting stock in the shelves. And so the beer that I used to get is no longer available. So I can no longer get that nice beer. So it's not that bad. Yeah. What about you? Where, um, where do you get your tea? Where, where do you procure your, your, your tea? My co-host on the podcast, Reza, is from Belfast. Yeah. So when he goes to visit his family, he buys me a packet of Thompson's tea. However, because of the coronavirus pandemic, he hasn't been able to go back. So I'm 
nearly at the stage where I might have to reuse a tea bag, which <gasps> is something I haven't done since my student days. Reusing a tea bag. Yeah, I know. I can see the shock on your face as I say that. So, yeah, we can get other teas here, but um, PG Tips and Tetley, but I, I really like the Thompson brand. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, mm-hmm. but can I ask you something now? Yeah. Um, let's try and, and look at, from an optimistic point of view at the coronavirus thing. What positive things can you think of, if any, that have come out of the last year? Oh, a since f- coronavirus hit. A, a few things. So speaking in terms of like daily life in Paris, I feel like the Parisians have learned how to queue up properly. <laughs> <laughs> this is my personal gripe, okay? One of my little petty uh, pet peeves, like little things that annoy me, which I sort of maybe enjoy being irritated by. Okay. Uh, uh, right. Um, yeah. And, and it's queuing up. I mean, I get very annoyed by pe- people not queuing up properly, uh, in shops. And I've talked about this many times before. In fact, some people are like, Oh, here we go again. As they listen to me mentioning this, but queuing up. Yeah. It's, it's, it does my head in that people will jump ahead of you in the queue and pretend that they didn't realize. And like, Oh, sorry. No, you're not sorry. And then they'll say, oh, sorry. And then they're still jumping in the queue. You know, they're st- it's like, well, if you're sorry, get to the back of the queue, you know. And But now, since the coronavirus came along, they put markings on the ground. And there's, there's no excuse now, yeah. Not a lot more, like, rules that dictate that you've got to stand here and here and here and here. And so that has helped. Um, during the lockdown, it was very quiet. And that was just very peaceful. It was a bit disturbing and scary in a sort of end of the world kind of way but exactly i felt the same yeah but it it was very going out into the street and walking around with nobody there and the occasional and in the beginning i wasn't sure how bad this virus was so of course i crossed the street even though i was wearing a mask not to be on the same pavement the same side of the street as the person i immediately crossed over and very everyone was very suspicious the first couple of months were really quite disturbing bit like an ap- apocalypse film yeah exactly we've all seen those films and played those computer games and stuff and it felt a bit like that it's like oh this is weird but then on the other hand paris was so calm and peaceful and quiet a lot of people left the city and paris can be a it's a beautiful place but it can be quite a stressful and crowded place too especially if you just live here day by day if you're not on a holiday and so it was a kind of a nice relief to to um um to have like a bit of peace and quiet and the weather was very nice so it was actually kind of weirdly serene and peaceful and how about how about work how did it affect the way you work because you also teach don't you you do classroom teaching i do yeah i teach normally at the british council i'm going to ask you all these questions too because i feel like oh, I'm, talk- mm-hmm. I'm talking too mm-hmm. much but uh, i'm just too curious i'll say my bit and then and then i'll ask you i'll, I'll flip it back to you oh sorry as as craig wax his microphone wax his microphone um so yes normally i teach classes at the british council here in paris um and teaching group classes and so with the restrictions, sometimes when, when, you know, the government said, Oh no, you can do this, but you can't do this. You know, when they changed the restrictions, I had to, um, change to teaching on Zoom 
Yeah, so Zoom classes. So that was a bit of an adjustment at the beginning because normally when I'm teaching in class, the actual physical side of moving around the room and physical proximity was actually quite a large part of my teaching. For example, stepping forward to get their attention, stepping back to show them that it's their chance to speak. You know, the way that you kind of manage the room just with your body language, a lot of that's unconsciously done. And also being able to, if you put them in pairs to do speaking practice, squatting down at the table to listen in on their conversation, that that was all gone. So instead you have to manage the technology and using things like breakout rooms, putting students into groups of two or three and sort of multitasking while teaching and also kind of trying to manage how Zoom works. So that was a learning curve. But I actually quite like teaching on Zoom these days. Would you say you preferred it to classroom teaching? I know it's different. It's two different things. S- swings and roundabouts. Um, there are good and that, bad things. What does things. that mean? Swing, oh, okay. swings and... <laughs> you just explained it. I jumped in too quickly. <laughs> swings and roundabouts, isn't it, Craig? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if you're not on a swing, you're on a roundabout. It's one of those things. It just means like swings and roundabouts, you know, there's sort of like good and bad things or like it's two different things two different things and so there are different characteristics for of both so um I, the things i like about zoom teaching is that well first of all when the class is finished you're at home right so normally uh, my class if i teach in the teaching center uh my class is finished and then i have to like tidy up the room the classroom rearrange the classroom so it's ready for the next teacher go downstairs blah 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 um, I mean, it's good to see my colleagues. I do miss the, the, the connect, you know, the personal contacts and stuff. And then I'd have to like, you know, travel home on the metro and all that stuff. It yeah. takes a lot of time, but now it's like, okay, everyone, bye bye. I hope you enjoyed the lesson. Um, you know, don't forget to do your homework and then <laughs> click. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm at home. I can now just go and make myself a cup of tea and stare out the window. Exactly. Yeah. So what about you? No, exactly. Everything you've said, everything you've said, plus our lad. I mean, I love, I, I used to love teaching um, live in the classroom, but uh, I'm still doing some classroom teaching because the British Council here in Valencia opened again after the initial Spanish lockdown. So I'm doing a hybrid schedule of sometimes on Zoom, sometimes going into the centre to teach. But it's it's not fun, and I suspect it's not fun for the students either. The class size is a lot smaller. They're wearing masks. I'm wearing a mask. Yeah. It's difficult to hear what they're saying. They struggle to hear what I'm saying sometimes. Because of social distancing, there's no mingling activities. There's no board runs. There's no work in pairs. And if they are working in pairs, they're shouting from one side of the classroom to the other. So you can't really hear what the other person's saying. So it's very, very difficult. And sometimes I find myself just speaking to the students which I could be doing on YouTube, let's face it. Yes. There isn't that much interaction in the class because you can't do mingling activities. Why are you meeting together in the classroom in the first place? So it does seem a bit silly to me. Yeah, and also you start sometimes when I'm in a classroom, it's the same as you, that that, that you know, sometimes I'm in physical classrooms and then the next week, uh, you know, the government says no, da, 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 and then you have to go back to Zoom again. So, but those times when you're in classrooms it's also a little bit disturbing sometimes because you kind of think okay so there's there's 13 of us in this f- room the tables are 
um, positioned in COVID compliant fashion. So they are a certain distance away from each other. There's little markings on the ground and stuff. But then you kind of think 12 of us, sure, we've got masks on, but the, the doors closed, the windows are closed. Cause if you open the windows, Paris goes blah through the windows, you know, all the buses and angry drivers beeping and people protesting in the street, literally yeah. protesting in the street outside. Cause where the British Council teaching center is, it's in front of the Esplanade, in front of the Invalide. Um, I guess it's the museum of Invalide. Um, anyway, there, that's where all the people do their protests and stuff. And they do that yes. quite a lot in, in France. Um, and, um, so that it's often a very noisy place. So the windows are closed and I sometimes think, Hmm, is this a good idea? The government yeah. said it's okay, but are they wrong? And sometimes I get a bit disturbed thinking, Oh God. And then as soon as everyone leaves, I throw the windows open and I vigorously wash my hands like Lady Macbeth. <laughs> like that and um all the students yeah. wipe their desks down and stuff but so in some ways i prefer teaching on zoom for those for that reason it just feels yeah, like I'm a with bit you. More. and the point you made earlier about getting together with colleagues yes i mi i miss that and we don't really do that now because they stagger the class times so as not to have too many students congregating outside in groups and also, you, you can't really use the staff room. So the, the, you can't have a cup of tea with your colleagues and speak about teaching anymore because you, you just go in, do your class, and go home again. Now, I hope that's going to change, but at the moment, I'm not enjoying teaching at all in the classroom. All that time with a mask on, it's pretty suffocating. And like you said, teaching with a mask on is pretty weird. It's like, <laughs> oh, someone's at the door. Sorry about this, Craig. Someone's. That's okay. This go, might go be ahead. the postman. Um, lots right, lots of editing. I love editing. Hold on, on, hold on. Off you go. Oh, it's all go today, isn't it? And you were just saying how lovely and peaceful it was without your daughter being. <laughs> <laughs> this is just normal. This is the normal level of... of <laughs> so I just got... Li okay, listeners, so I had to go and answer the door. Slightly out of breath from dashing up and down the stairs. But I got a package. Uh, oh, it's a book. So I, I, uh, okay, this is a tangent, but I ordered a book by Herbie Hancock. Do you know Herbie Her Hancock from the eighties, the disco guy? Yeah, and from the seventies and the sixties. From the seventies, okay. Jazz pianist, legend, and producer. He produces, yeah, yeah, produces music. Too. That's right, an absolute legend in music. And he, he wrote a, he wrote a book. So I've, I bought it. It's another book that I'll probably never read. <laughs> um might be a good subject for a podcast yeah definitely uh okay what about so what about your podcast though has that did you get a sense that it benefited from the coronavirus outbreak did 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 your numbers go up did you think more people listened to your podcast and searched for podcasts during the last 18 months there have been some benefits we've We've received feedback from listeners who were very thankful to us for continuing to do the podcast during the epidemic because since 2014, we've been releasing a, an episode every every Monday. No, sorry, every Sunday. Every Sunday an episode goes out. And I wanted to continue doing that during the pandemic, and many people thanked us for it. One person actually sent a voice message to say that she was listening to us in bed with coronavirus in a hospital and thanked us for kind of helping her through that. So that 
was a kind of a, a bonus I didn't expect. I mean, you know, we hope to do some good with our podcast to help increase the level of, of people listening, but we didn't, I didn't expect to get that message. But there were some problems with the technical problems with recording because I, I've never recorded um, over the internet before. Usually my co-host comes to the flat, we record in the same room, and then he goes back again after a nice lunch. But we had to do it over the internet, which I found quite complicated. So I had to release some episodes where the audio quality wasn't very good, and that bothered me quite a lot because I like to have audio quality that's not noticeable. I think if you can't notice the audio, that means it's good enough. And it was quite bad because we use Zoom and other other things. Yeah, there's yeah, it's pretty complicated uh, doing online uh, recordings like this. Although there's more and more software that's coming that is improving the audio quality of remote uh, conversations like this. So I think did it's going to get. Did you fo- Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. Gonna say- <laughs> Go ahead. Interesting phrase. I was going to say, which is what you say when you, you're you on Zoom or something or some other video conferencing software and you both talk at the same time. You go, oh, but, but, and then you go, I was going to say. Which is different to as I was saying, which is a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more, um, yes, as, as I was saying. Mm, it sounds a bit more angry. As I was saying before I, before I was so rudely interrupted, but uh, I was going <laughs> to say. let me finish. I can't remember what I was going to say now. Me uh, neither. I've got other questions for you, Craig, right? So um, let's see. So in episode number 337, see, I've got some num- some numbers too of, um, <laughs> of the AIRC podcast, which was called Craig's Story. This is the one I listened to, you know, back in November. So you talked about various jobs and things you've had. Oh, Craig, hold on. I'm sorry. That's okay. Here comes more noise. Check this out. This should go in the outtakes at the end. <laughs> Not only is there the noise of the of the vacuum cleaner downstairs, there's also this. <laughs> so that noise is a siren. Sounds like an air raid siren. It's not sounding bad at all here, Luke. Isn't it? Oh, okay. All right. I mean, it's there, but it's very, 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 very faint. It'll we can, be, we can get away right. with that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be right. But I should explain that siren now, just in case. Sorry. Um, the, the every first Wednesday of the month in Paris at 12 o'clock noon, they play air raid sirens all across the city um, to test the sirens. Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. Every month, first Wednesday of every month at 12 o'clock noon, scary air raid sirens blast all over the city are they expecting an imminent attack from a foreign power i don't know but they 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 just do it to test the air raid sirens which i think is odd i mean it first of all that sound is for us for brits is a I guess for other people too is a scary sound because that's the sound they used during the blitz, right? In the, in World War Two. It's also yeah. the, the, the noise I think that they use, that they would have used in the event of a nuclear attack in the eighties and seventies. And I think that sometimes they would test the air raid sirens when we were at school. So anyway, do flip in playing it again now. Um, so we've got sort of scary associations with that noise. 
But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're expecting some kind of uh, attack or what. But if you are planning to attack Paris, do it at 12 uh, lunchtime on the first Wednesday of the month. <laughs> and all the Parisians will be like, bah, bah, nope, you know, everyone's just going to be carrying on like normal. Anyway, that was a really uncalled for tangent. I'm sorry about that. Where were we? I was actually in the middle of a sentence when I shifted to talk about the sirens. What I think had, you were going to ask me something about episode, episode 337. Okay. So uh, that was called Craig's story. And in that episode, you were talking about your life and you said that you'd done all sorts of different jobs in your life. So I'm just curious, what what is the worst job that you've ever had? And do you have any specific memories of that job? Um, the worst job I've ever had uh, reminds me of, of Derek and Clive back in the day, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. <laughs> the worst, <laughs> the worst job I've ever had. Um, I think probably sending chickens to market. I don't know if you've, if you've ever done that, Luke. Sending chickens to market. So like, okay, chickens, yeah. you're all going to go to the market. So off you go. One by one, giving them an address. No, years ago I worked on a farm, um, and I had to wake up at 3 a.m. Now, I'm not a morning person. Um, I don't like getting up early. But obviously, the chickens are still sleeping, so they're very dopey. So that's a good time to go and get your chickens. And you go in the chicken house, and you have to pick up three chickens in each hand upside down. So you kind of put the chickens in between, the chicken legs in between your fingers. So they're, they're hanging upside down. Of course, they're then screeching and, and scratching you and flapping their wings. There's all the dust coming up from the the floor of the chicken house and the smell of the chicken poo, it's its absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah. Two hands of unhappy chickens, the noise and, and everything. And, and then you would also... What, you would sorry? what put them in a basket or something? You take them out of the chicken house, load them in cages on the back of a truck, and then the, the truck or the lorry would take them away to be sold at, at market. And then they, they end up on your supermarket shelf. So apart from the horrible physical conditions of doing it, it's the realism of seeing what actually happens to your roast chicken when you have to take it away from where it's actually living. It's, it's an emotional thing as well. Yeah. So I think that was probably the worst job I've ever had. But I do still eat chicken, so I'm a bit of a hypocrite, really. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a complicated one, isn't it? What, uh, what was your worst job? Um, well, uh, um, hmm... I've had a few dodgy jobs, but I, maybe the worst was working as a kitchen porter in a in a restaurant in a busy pub, and um, so uh, quite that was a large in the, U- the UK, yeah, I'm in the guessing. back in the UK, yeah, in quite a large pub, a country pub, with probably about fifty tables in it, and a fairly large kitchen, busy, busy um, weekend, um, you know, uh, lunch and dinner services, and I was the guy responsible for cleaning all the dishes and stuff. And so we had a, a large industrial strength um, dishwasher, which was like this huge thing, and it would blast whatever you put through it for about three minutes. So it did a full wash in three minutes, whereas, you know, the ones we have at home, they take 90 minutes or two hours or something. This one would be like intense super wash for three minutes. So hot. And uh, anyway, so I'd have my sink in front of me piles of everything 
next to me dishes plates knives and forks pots and pans and everything from the from the kitchen too as well as from the restaurant uh, you know from the tables and i would have to like clean stuff and then put it into the machine because the machine wouldn't deal with like the really really stuck in dirt so especially pots from the kitchen which have got whatever it is that's caked to the bottom of the pan and so i would be trying to clean all this stuff off Basically, I'd be leaning over this hot sink, covered in crap. So I'd be covered in mustard and ketchup and gravy and just completely covered in it. Steam all rising up into my face. And my, uh, you know, I'd be doing that for like hours. And so my fingers would get all wrinkly. And then no, no, no rubber gloves, no dishwasher gloves. No, I just, I, they were offered to me, but I just couldn't do it with the rubber gloves. Like for some reason, like with the rubber gloves, I'd be dropping plates and things. And it was just much easier to use my actual fingers. And then I'd have to clean the machine at the end of the evening. And that would involve almost climbing inside the thing in order to clean out all of the grime and residual sort of gunk and stuff that had built up inside it so i would kind of climb inside it and i would emerge at the end of an evening of of, uh, in the kitchen at at like the swamp thing you know just (laughs) stinking greasy horrible disgusting uh monster um and so How how long did you do it for Oh, years. I probably did that oh, for wow. for a few years, maybe two or three years. But you know, was that a job to help to help get you through university. Um, no, it was before I went to university. It was just a job, just I guess, to give me pocket money, which I spent on probably on CDs and and, and clothes and stuff. I probably wasted it. Um, uh, but anyway, it was you know hard work. Sort of does you good. Bit of hard work. Nothing wrong with it. And uh, but anyway, it was pretty grotty. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> I think I'll stick with my chickens. Oh uh, yeah, I prefer teaching English on Zoom actually, <laughs> and doing podcasts. But no, I, I do think back to. I mean, I've done many things as as you you know if you've listened to that particular episode. But when I am teaching and I do rant and complain and moan, I do think back and think, oh, Craig, come on. What are you what are you complaining about? First of all, there are many people who don't have jobs at the moment. You're lucky to be working at all. And secondly, it's it's lovely. It's a lovely job teaching. Um it's productive, it's rewarding, you're meeting people, you're helping people. So I think I'm I'm very lucky and it, and it's good to remember those horrible jobs we did when we were younger. Yeah, and we and you know the, our students are all so nice, you know, right? So appreciative. Yeah. Like teaching English to adults is amazing because people are generally appreciative obviously you get some individuals who are just i don't know like not very nice people in their lives you know for whatever reason but for the most part people are really nice and appreciative which is lovely it's incredibly rewarding it's true it's true um craig i reckon we could just keep what's the word wittering on rambling away for ages it's been really nice to talk to you again about various things yes it has and, um, you know, we, we did sort of think of some ideas before starting this recording and we've maybe done about 15%. <laughs> so then we should get together again and not wait five years and do another episode and, um, and touch on the things that we didn't get to this time. But it's been an absolute pleasure. We should. We should indeed. Okay. Well, um, I guess we'll both be doing little outros um, to this. But anyway, have a nice day, Craig. You too. Keep in touch and I'll speak to you soon. Indeed. All right, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye.
Bye bye. So that was me talking to Craig Wieland from the uh, Aprender Inglés con Reza y Craig podcast, which is available at inglespodcast.com and also wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, good. It was nice to talk to Craig again. It's always nice to talk to Craig. Let's see what I'm, I'm going to ramble a little bit at the end and maybe sing a song right at the end of the episode with my guitar. Okay, but I'll leave it till the end. Don't worry if you're not a fan of my singing. That's fine. So what should I say? I should say this, that links to our previous conversations, that's conversations between Craig and me, links to our previous conversations are available on the page for this episode. You can find them easily. So that includes episode 334 of my podcast and also episode 335, which is actually a language review of the vocabulary that came up in episode 334. And episode 335 is quite similar to the kind of thing I do in episodes of Luke's English Podcast Premium these days. Kind of going through a conversation, picking out bits of language and then highlighting them, demonstrating them, more examples, collocations, synonyms, that sort of thing. So episode 335 is a bit similar to the sort of thing I do in Premium episodes these days, but with a bit less detail and no pronunciation drills. But still, I do recommend that you listen to episode 335, either before or after hearing episode 334, right? So, 334 and 335. Also, you'll find a link to Craig's interview with me, which actually was published in early 2015. So that was before I got married. Is that an important detail? It's like, okay, when was it published, Luke? Uh, 15. Or is that before or after you got married? We have to know this. don't know why that's an important detail. But we did mention it, didn't we, in this conversation? All right, then. So you'll find that link there to the episode. It was March 2015. So anyway, links for all the previous conversations that I've had with Craig uh, before. Okay. Uh, And of course, there's also Craig's version of this conversation, which will be published to all his aircoholics. Uh, you might want to check it out too, because it might be slightly different to this one, depending on how Craig chooses to edit it. In fact, I'm quite curious to see how Craig has managed to deal with the various audio issues that we had during this conversation. But Craig is a bit of an audio maestro, so he should know what he's doing. But uh, the vacuum cleaner, the air raid sirens, the delivery of my Herbie Hancock book, and so on. I wonder how Craig's managed to deal with those bits. I actually had to cut out entire sections of our conversation due to the high-pitched sound made by the vacuum cleaner in the next room. I thought it was just too distracting. So I thought, no, I'm not going to publish that. There's too much. There's like an E sound. We don't want that, do we? E sounds. By the way, as you know, I normally don't record with other noises in the background. I try and make sure that there aren't noises around. Although long-term listeners will remember the sounds... In previous episodes, I have been interrupted by different noises in the past, like, for example, the sounds of police sirens, sounds of police cars in the background when I lived in London and I recorded the podcast in my flat there. Also, the sound of my washing machine spinning like mad in the background, the sound of breaking glass and the bottle bins being emptied in the street below my Skypod, where I used to record the the episodes where I used to live. And the sounds of angry drivers beeping their horns and arguing in the streets below me and other things. So there have been noises in the past. 
But in this particular case, we had a guy round to our flat to do a spring clean. It was a spring clean. This is like a regular clean that you do. For some reason, springtime is a good time for like, you know, giving a flat a really good clean. But we actually got a guy to come around, a cleaner to come around and do it on the particular day that I recorded this conversation with Craig. And he was the one doing all the hoovering, you know, the vacuuming. And there was there was just no other time he could do it. Now, I'm not apologising, not in this instance anyway, but I just thought that you might be wondering who was doing the vacuuming and if it was my wife. I just got this idea that some of you just imagined that my wife was downstairs doing the vacuuming. But here's a revelation for you. I'm normally the one who operates the hoover in our flat. Ah, so there. I do hoovering, washing up, dishwasher stuff, and my wife handles laundry, right? And we share everything else pretty much. And yeah, my wife does the laundry. I'm not actually allowed to do laundry. That's washing clothes. Because of all the times that I've ruined items of my wife's clothing by washing them on the wrong settings. So I'm actually not allowed to, to do the laundry now just because I've, I've, I've sh- you know, I've shrunk uh, sweaters and basically spoiled other items of clothing and so i'm just not allowed to do it anymore because i will break my wife's clothes break you can't break clothes luke all right i'll ruin the clothes so i don't do the laundry anyway there you go i'm oversharing now but anyway that there was a glimpse into my domestic life um talking of my domestic life my wife and my daughter we mentioned my daughter in this conversation i must get them back onto the podcast at some point in fact as you may know, my wife is is like the royal correspondent for Luke's English podcast. She's just sort of slightly obsessed with the royal family in the UK. And we might record a royal family update at some point in which we chat about Prince Philip, who sadly passed away recently. Um, and of course, the whole Meghan and Harry thing. I say might because it's not certain. I'm not completely sure that I want to weigh in on the Meghan and Harry versus Buckingham Palace controversy. I'm not sure what to think about it. And anyway, I feel like the world has moved on from the story recently. Anyway, it would be nice to talk to my wife on the podcast again soon. And it's encouraging to know that the citizens of Lepland enjoy listening to her contributions. Also, it's probably time to do another recording with my daughter in order to observe the progress of her English. As I said to Craig... She does speak quite a lot of French, which is great, of course, but for this English podcast, we want her to speak English, right? As I said, she still uses a mix of French and English in her sentences, often switching between the two languages mid-sentence. For example, she might say something like this, Can I have some rigolo fromage, please, daddy chérie? Parce que je like that, me. <laughs> so that means, can I have some of that, some more funny cheese, please, daddy, darling? Because I like it. I like that, me. Can I have some regular... So, oh God, I'm... Pr- this is where... So every time I speak another language on this podcast, I feel everyone's leaping to judge me by the same standards of the English that I speak. So I feel like if I open my mouth and speak another language... But there you go. I'm just falling into the trap that I always warn my listeners not to fall into, which is, you know, don't worry about other people judging you and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, uh, it doesn't matter that much. Okay, can I have some more rigolo fromage, please, daddy chérie? Parce que je like that, me. Can I have some more funny cheese, please, daddy, darling? Because I like that, me. 
It's the sort of thing she says. It's quite cute, but again, we're still waiting for the languages to diverge. They will eventually in time. All right. Anyway, that is pretty much it now, I think, for this episode. Um, all right. Thanks for listening all the way up to this point. I think I will do a song on the guitar now. So if that's not your cup of tea, then feel free to hit the ejector seat at this point. I mean, boink, you know, press the button. You can eject at this point if you don't want to hear my song. Otherwise, if you carry on listening, I'm assuming that you're happy to hear me sing. And so I don't need to be concerned about you losing your hearing or anything as a result of this. Okay, so I will say bye-bye-bye, bye-bye to you now, but stick around for the song if you want, okay? Thank you for listening, as ever. Take care. Be excellent to each other. Good luck with your English. I will speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Right. So, I better check this guitar's in tune, right? That's probably a good idea, wouldn't you say? Sorry, I need to get this microphone here. Duh, 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 duh. Here we go. Extending the episode, extending the length of the episode. Okay, there's the. Hear that? That's. I've got two microphones. This one is. This is this is the microphone for my voice. Hello, this is my voice. And then as I turn up the volume, you'll hear the microphone which is pointing at the guitar. Some of you are thinking, Luke, why don't you use some kind of pickup for your acoustic guitar? Yeah, I could. I do have one of those, like a little uh, pickup that you clip into the guitar. I actually prefer miking up guitars or recording guitars with microphones. I just feel like they pick up a slightly better sound. Those those kind of um, electromagnetic pickups that you can stick to the guitars, they're good, but I find that the sound is a little bit... I don't know, I'm just not so keen on the sound that they record. And I feel like if I can use a, a microphone, it tends to be better. I don't know, but what do I know? Anyway, I'm going to turn up the volume on the guitar microphone and you'll hear it coming in. Ah, there it is, you see? That's probably probably loud enough. Now, I do need to make sure that this guitar is tuned up. Am I going to keep all of this extraneous stuff in the episode i don't know you probably oh we'll see fender tune that's the um, app that i use on my phone to tune my guitars this is exciting you're gonna hear me tuning up my guitar oh hear that rattle sound that's not good is it oh brilliant it's already in tune That's the A string. Now let's move on to the D string. Oh yes, this is amazing. Now the G string. Guitarists, you know, this is the tr- this is the troublesome string. For some reason, this is always the one that kind of drifts out of tune slightly, or it's hard to keep it in tune. I don't know why. A little bit sharp. You just tune it down a bit fascinating podcasting absolute solid gold quality on the podcast today luke tuning his guitar okay come on okay and the b string oh the b string is fine apparently okay well it was pretty much in tune from the from the very beginning not bad okay as i apply the capo 
Okay, so this is a song by The Kinks. And I've, I've played songs by The Kinks before. The Kinks... Uh, Ray Davis was the singer and songwriter. Dave Davis was the guitarist. They were both brothers. And similar to the Gallagher brothers from Oasis, uh, the... The Davies brothers used to fight with each other. There's a lot of conflict between them. And yet some, somehow it was the dynamic between the two of them which made the band so interesting. But certainly Ray Davies, the, the, the principal songwriter in the band, wrote some really, really classic English pop songs from the 60s and 70s and beyond. And this one is called uh, So Tired. No, it's called Tired of Waiting for You. Tired of Waiting for You. And uh, the Kinks, also, you might remember songs like uh, Waterloo Sunset. Waterloo Sunset and uh, Sunny Afternoon. Okay, let's, let's, let's give it a shot. Okay. So tired, tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. So tired, tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. I was a lonely soul, I had nobody till I met you. But you, keeping me waiting all of the time, what can I do? It's your life, and you can do what you want. Do what you like But please don't keep me waiting Please don't keep me waiting Cause I'm so tired Tired of waiting Tired of waiting for you So tired Tired of waiting Tired of waiting for you a lonely soul I had nobody till I met you but you keeping me waiting all of the time what can I do and it's your life and you can do what you want do what you like but please don't keep me waiting Please don't keep me waiting Cause I'm so tired Tired of waiting Tired of waiting for you So tired Tired of waiting Tired of waiting for you for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.